Lord, speak to us from the greatness of your word. Great and mighty things we know not of. You teach our hearts. Encourage us, strengthen us to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 26 tonight, likewise, in the same way, just as, equals to, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, the likewise he's referring to is how we are encouraged by hope. First of all, as you remember, he encourages us by letting us know that the Spirit of God is living in you. God's Spirit is testifying to your spirit. You're a child of God. If you're a child of God, then you're an heir of God. If you're willing to suffer with him, you'll be in a joint heir with Christ, receiving the same inheritance as Christ, who also suffered for us. If we're willing to suffer for him, we also will receive of that same inheritance. And then he says that all creation is waiting for that day when earth is renewed in that millennial period, but also when our bodies receive a brand new body and... Uh, like the seed that goes into the ground and produces a plant. So this seed of a body will go in and produce a heavenly body. And remember last week in verse 24 and 25, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what, one, what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, you've got to remember that we are saved by faith. What you're looking at as you look at one another is really not what we're going to be looking at for all of eternity. Thank goodness. <laughs> the real you is a spirit. And our spirit has been born again by faith in Christ. But we are not, the, the work of salvation is not complete until we're in our brand new body standing before the Lord. Then we'll feel it. Then we'll sense it. Then we'll see it. Then we'll understand it. But now by faith we say, I know that as many as believed in him, he's given the right to become children of God. To those who believe in him, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So we have faith that God will do what he said he would do. That we will see the completion of salvation. But right now, we, we just sort of hang in there hoping for what is to come, our new body, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to rule and reign on this earth as kings and priests under our God. And so we have this faith and trust that who God is, he truly is, and what he says he will do. And we have this faith, and it's this hope in what we don't see. Peter said, although we don't see him, yet we still love him. Now, to those of us who are walking by faith, it's, it's, we're just so confident. It's just a matter of time, you know. It seems like yesterday, I was just a little kindergarten kid looking at my teenage sister's big giant history books and math books thinking, whoa, you couldn't read through one of those in a lifetime, you know. And boy, someday I'll be in high school. And, and of course, high school's come and gone uh, a long time. It's... 15 years since I graduated from college. And so, again, it's been a lifetime already, it seems like. And so in the same way, we who have grown and aged in this planet Earth, we know it's just going to be in a second 
and we're going to be in heaven looking at each other going, whoa, we're already here. And in our minds, it's gonna, we're just going to be able to think. And after 10,000s of years have gone by, we're going to be going, remember that August when Brian was teaching on the hope that we don't see, that we're hanging in there by faith. And, and now here we've already been experiencing it for 10,000 years. And so it's not this, oh, I hope someday it happens. It's a confidence. It's a certainty. I know it's going to happen. There's no doubt. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. There's no concern. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the coming of the Lord, we're going to be standing before him. It's just a matter of time, and time is but a vapor. And so we hang in there with that confidence. And so when we get tired, when we get weary, when things are just falling apart all around us and we're going, my goodness, I hate this life. <laughs> I want to die and go be with the Lord right now. We just hang in there going, no, God has my life in his hands. I'll hang in there as long as the Lord wants me on this earth. I'll stay, I'll stay here. And uh, we just know it's going to be in a moment we're going to be in heaven with the Lord. Now, in the same way, that confidence, that groaning that's going on in us, that confidence that we're going to be standing before the Lord in but a moment and all this, the woes of this earth is going to be but a, 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 a far-reaching memory. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in the immediate. And so you can say, well, Brian, that's, that's fine. You're telling me that when we get to heaven, it's not going to really matter anymore. But it matters. I've got to face this situation tomorrow at work. I've got to go to the doctor and he's going to tell me whether I got terminal cancer tomorrow or my husband or my wife or my child. I had a brother call me last week and he said, man, I'm taking my child. It looks like she has cancer and all spread through her lymph nodes. A little six-year-old girl. I have a six-year-old boy. Man, I couldn't imagine it. And so, in the immediate, what do we do? You can't say, well, hang in there. That's like telling my seven-year-old boy, you know, help me out with the yard work, and when you're 25, you know, I'll, I'll help you buy a house someday or something. You know, it's like, it wouldn't work. It would be zero help, zero motivation. He, he can't see that distance in the future. And we can't always see heaven as sufficient enough hope to hang on to. We need the immediate relief in our time of trouble, as David says in Psalms 46.1. He is ever a help to me in the time of trouble. Lord's right there. Our refuge, our shield, and the immediate as well. And so the Spirit helps us. Now, remember that up to chapter 8, the Spirit was hardly even mentioned. I think it was mentioned three times, and a couple of times sort of scarcely, alluded to. But now we come to chapter 8, and it's mentioned 21 times in this one chapter alone. Now remember, as we're going through all the epistles of Paul, but here as we're going through the book of Romans, he lays the foundation. We're weak. We're helpless. We cannot save ourselves. God has to do it, and he has done it by his grace, by his mercy. Oh, how wonderful the Lord is. And he concentrated on justification as he did through the first seven 
or actually eight and a half chapters, he concentrated on justification. God has done it. God's going to hang on to it. Where our sin abounds, his grace will abound more. Uh, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But then he turns, remember, in chapter 8, and he says, but you're also not a debtor to the flesh. You keep living after the flesh. And let me tell you something. We don't have a spirit to get into bondage, but at the same time, God has called us to live for him. So those who are led by the Spirit, those are the people who are truly sons of God. And now as he's going to continue in chapter 8 and through the rest of the book, he's going to let us know that we also have a part in this walk with the Lord, and that is the sanctification. Now he's letting us know it is our responsibility to hope. It's our responsibility to suffer with Christ. It's our responsibility to be willing to suffer with Christ so he can, we can reign with him. It's our responsibility not to get discouraged and depressed and, and uh, want to throw away our Christianity when things aren't going our way. We can't just say, well, you know, God's going to keep me, God's going to keep me, but I'm going to live like the devil until he brings me back. Well, you're going to live like the devil and, and probably die because of the consequences of your sin. And this is a really serious point today with um, a lot of the five-point Calvinistic brethren. And if you don't know what that means, good. But there's this thought process that, that is basically saying when you're saved, God gives you the choice between a hot dog and a hamburger, but not between good and evil. You can only choose good because you're born again. And I'm telling you, you're born again, but not one bit of your free choice is taken away. Even as a believer, you can completely choose evil. Even as a born-again believer. And I'll tell you what, you don't want to go back into that old lifestyle, as Paul says, as a dog returns to his vomit, or as uh, Peter says, to to be conformed back into those sins as you once did in your ignorance. We don't want to head in that direction. And as believers, to think that God's Holy Spirit is going to stop you, you know, there's this invisible wall, as you're heading back to your old sin, boom, oh man, I can't get back there, boom. You know, what's going on? Oh, well, I, there's an invisible wall of the Holy Spirit, and he just won't let me sin. People think that. The Bible says God will help us in our weaknesses, and he'll give us an escape for every sin. But a lot of people think that means that God grabs them by the hair and drags them back to righteousness. He gives you a way of escape, but you've got to take it. You've got to take that way of escape. And in the same way, now the Spirit is our helper. Turn over, if you would, to the Gospel of John. And let's look at a few scriptures there. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. Wonderful, wonderful scriptures. There in chapter 14, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, or comforter, or parakletos, one who comes alongside, that he may abide with you forever. Now listen to this, verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth in the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He dwells with you and will be, what? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We just need to stop for a minute and just be blown away by that fact. That God's Holy Spirit lives in me. 
that the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that God who spoke all the world into creation lives in me. And he lives in you. All the power. Everything that you would need for life and godliness, the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing hard for God. There's nothing impossible. The apostles were blown away when Jesus cursed the fig tree and it died. And they said, wow, it, it died. And Jesus, what did you expect? I cursed it. Of course it's going to die. And he said, man, have faith in God. Have faith in God. I say to you, if you were to speak to this mountain, be uprooted, cast into the sea, and you believe what you pray would happen, it would happen. If you believe that you receive it, it will happen. There is this concept where we have faith in God, and tonight you need to have faith. If you're a born-again believer here tonight, God's Holy Spirit lives in you. All power has been given. The Bible says, according to the power that works in us, it says in Ephesians 3, that we have this confidence in prayer. And so, God's Spirit lives within us. And so, He is there now to help us, to speak to us, to aid us. Also look over in verse 26 of that same chapter, John 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you. Underline that. He will teach you all things. There's nothing that God won't show you and teach you and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you, all things that Jesus spoke, the Holy Spirit would teach us and illuminate and speak it to our hearts directly. And in chapter 15, verse 26, But when the Helper, the Comforter, the Paracletos, the one who comes alongside, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have seen, been with me from the beginning. So he's there, he's testifying of Jesus within your heart. And in chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, the Paracletos, the Comforter, that one who comes alongside will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. It's a great help, the Holy Spirit who lives in us. One more verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. Way back by the book of Revelation, not quite that far. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So we boldly say, The Lord is my helper, my comforter, my parakletos, the one who comes alongside. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so we all boldly speak. We all have incredible faith and confidence in who God is. And God is in three persons. God's one substance. We don't have three different gods, as the Jehovah's Witnesses try to tell us. We have one God. The Lord our God is one Lord, but he's in three distinct persons. There's one substance of God. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the second person of the Trinity said that he would send forth of the Spirit who would live in us. It's to its, 
our advantage, that that particular substance, that particular person of God who could dwell directly in us is definitely to our advantage. We have a partner in this life. Jesus said, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. And we have the dear, dear friend of the Holy Spirit, the one who's come alongside us. Now, if you're not born again here tonight, then God's Spirit doesn't live within you. And it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're, you're none of His. You're not, a, you're not in any way a partaker of God. But if the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you are of God, and you're His child, and His Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are indeed a son of God. So if you're not saved here tonight, oh, how I encourage you to ask God to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life, be the Lord of your life, and the Holy Spirit will come in and live inside you. But to us who are born again, the Spirit is our helper. In particular, back in Romans chapter 8, He's our helper in our weakness. Now, how many of your Bible has weaknesses, plural? Weaknesses. Yeah, well, throw your Bible if it doesn't. It should. All your Bible should have plural there. The Spirit, God helps us in our weaknesses, our infirmities. It's actually a broad word. It could be physical infirmities. It could be spiritual infirmities. It could be mental depression. It could be hardship, difficulties of all types that we fall into. Now, we're not supposed to have that lack of trust in God. We're to have a, a hope in Him going, well, my body's falling apart. I'm in a wheelchair. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be getting a new body. But in the immediate, it's a little hard to say that. When you're trying to get out of the wheelchair and into the shower, or you're trying to make it uphill, it's, it's a little tough. And so the Spirit's there to help you not to get depressed, not to get overwhelmed. He's there to help you in your weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We don't know how to pray as we ought. Boy, you can see that all the way through the Bible. People praying prayers that God says, out of line. <laughs> David says, oh, let's build a temple, you know. And the Lord comes back going, you're a man of bloodshed. You can't build this temple. But I'll make it so that your son builds it. Hezekiah. Remember, he prayed that he could live another 15 years. And oh, the hardship that came upon Judah because of him living another 15 years. We see the James and John, those sons of thunder, saying, Oh, those Samaritans don't want us to come there. What do you want me to do, Lord? Call fire out of heaven and burn up that city? Jesus says, Oh, I rebuke you. You don't know what spirit you're of. Often we don't know what spirit we're of. I wonder how many dead people... What would be the population of planet Earth is every Christian uh, God has answered a prayer, you know? When we had that hate in our heart and just get them out of the way. Take them on home with you, Lord, now. You know? Save them and kill them. Get them out of the way. We have so many weird thoughts in our mind. We have so many fleshly desires of our flesh that... Often we just say in our flesh, Oh God, make it your will. 
Oh God, I, you know, it's got to be your will. So often we're always prone to see things in the physical realm, not to see things in the spiritual realm. And we just want the immediate physical relief. We want the immediate earthly comfort, no matter what the future cost may be. Paul had that thorn in the flesh, that messenger of Satan. Surely it's the Lord's will to give him immediate relief. He prayed, God didn't. He prayed, God didn't. He was praying completely out of God's will. And finally the Lord spoke to him and says, No, I'm not going to. I don't understand it. But then the Spirit helped him in his weaknesses and said, I'm going to perfect my strength in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul said, okay, then I'll just rejoice in my infirmities, in my poverty, in my persecutions, in my difficulties of all types. I'll just rejoice in them. All of a sudden, now the Spirit is giving him that clear direction on how to direct this particular situation. It's not going to go away. That's okay. I just now have a great comfort knowing the mind of God that God was going to let this weakness remain in my life, maybe the rest of life, Paul's life. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because God has a higher and a bigger and a better plan. People will come and ask for physical healing. And now my desire is to always see a physical healing. That's always my desire. I just was talking to a dear sister and... And she was talking about a, a guy who um, got this um, infection in his liver, completely wasted his liver. He only had a few days to live, had to have a brand new liver. Kind of have to do a transplant. Couldn't find one. And people were pr praying all over for this man, that God would, would heal him. And the doctors, with medical proof, watched a new liver grow and form and caused a brand new liver in his stomach. It's medically documented. But yet his wife has had all kinds of back problems her whole life. And now you have prayed for that for 20 years and no relief has come. But yet he gets a brand new liver. <laughs> I don't know why God does what he does. I think that we got to be careful in our weakness to not, you know, if God exists, then he'll give this to me. I don't know if that's God's best will. We see with Hezekiah where he gave God that ultimatum. I, I've been a good king. Heal me. And God healed him. And then he had that wicked son Manasseh in that 15-year period that he continued to live. And he had Isaiah, son and two, tradition has. But he was a very wicked man in those 15 years. Before those 15 years, Hezekiah was a wonderful, righteous, faithful, spiritual man. But God knew that he, if he continued to live another year, it would be downhill spiritually after that. And it most certainly was. God was going to use those last few days of his life to perfect him through suffering letting him have an illness, and that illness would break him in areas of his life, cause him to cry out to God, and then he would take him home, this wonderful, godly man, having done all that needed to be done in his heart. But instead, Hezekiah got earthbound. He got his mind on the things that others said, no, I need, you know, in his mind, another 15 years was what was fair. And boy, I'll guarantee you, when he got to heaven, he's like, oh man, 
I wish I'd never gotten those 15 years. Why did God show us that? To show us clearly God knows. He knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows what we need. And so there are those times that we do not understand. The situation's too overwhelming you. The burden of the situation's too great for you. And as you look, you know what you're praying for is selfish and self-centered, and it could be God's will. It may not be God's will. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they said, is the Lord going to save you out of this fire? Can he? Yes. Will he? We don't know. They, they could see it either way. God let me get burned up in the fire. God saved me out of the fire. I could see God going either way. I don't know. Though it's in there and we'll find out. <laughs> in, in the same way, we don't know. Is God going to heal me or not? I don't know. Well, man, doctors say I only got a few weeks to live. Maybe that's all. But I know somebody who lived another three years when the doctor told him that. Well, that may be true. Well, which is it? I don't know. Well, I don't know what to do for tomorrow. I don't know how to plan. I don't know whether to go back to work or take disability. I don't know if I should try to get a new occupation. I don't know. It's just too overwhelming. We don't know how to pray. We don't understand what direction to take. We just, it's just too much for us. And as we start trying to figure out the various avenues to take, it, it just it causes us to be more anxious. And we come to that place where we just go, Parakletos, God Almighty who lives in me, that friend of mine, that helper who comes alongside and comforts me and strengthens me, help me. And there the Lord brings to mind scriptures. He brings to mind his nature. He teaches us of times past. And there as a beautiful musician, musician, a guy who does music musician thank you I knew I could say that there is a beautiful musician there we go blows through a flute so the wind of the spirit blows through our heart and helps us to have the mind of God often just a deep down groan in our stomachs or a peace that passes all understanding that guards the heart and the mind in Christ Jesus. As a guitarist strums on the string, so the Holy Spirit strums those notes in our heart that causes us to reverberate in the sound that is perfectly in tune with God's will. I love it. God using us as we are already willed to him. Not my will, but thy will be done. That then the Holy Spirit begins to cause a resonation as we're like a musical instrument in the hands of God to cause us to make tones, to cause us to make the meditation of our heart beautiful in the sight of the Lord. Now often we can get short-sighted. We just don't pray as we ought. We get lazy. We get earthbound. We just, we don't think about that, you know. We're going like a chicken with its head cut off for a couple weeks. Nothing's getting better. And finally somebody says, have you prayed about it? No, and it irritates you that they even brought it up. No, yeah, of course I prayed about it. Leave me alone. And we're just so fleshly. 
that we don't even want to take the time to let God do it. We don't even, in our own pride, in our own anxiety, we're just saying, I've got to take the bull by the horns and make life happen because, man, it's happening too quick and i got to take control and and things are not getting better. They're getting worse by the minute. And, and now we have to come back to that place to just be broken before the Lord saying, okay, God, I've done all I can do and I'm exhausted. All my resources are exhausted. The situation is completely bleak. I, I have no idea where to turn. God brings us to that place because he wants to make that intercession through us, for us, on our behalf. And he says in verse 27, Now he who searches the hearts knows, that's an important word, he knows what the mind of the Spirit is. I love that. Because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus, when he taught, he said, you don't have to use a lot of words. You know, the heathen and their concept of God is, if I make my fleshly body ache, if I deny myself in a, in a religious way by praying hours at a time, or uh, you see in Mexico City them crawling on their knees up to the basilica for a couple of miles before they ask God this prayer. He says, that's the heathen. God already knows what you need before you ever ask him. Prayer is never a way in which to accomplish our will. Prayer is always true. Prayer is always begun by a move of God's Spirit. We are just too fleshly. We would never think to pray. Tonight at dinner, I'm digging and eating. And my wife says, have we prayed yet? Now, I was thinking about my sermon tonight. I have a good religious excuse. And we had to stop a minute. It was just the way we are. We need wives and holy spirits. But we just need that help because we don't pray as we ought. And, and we, God already knows what we need. But again, it's all a part of God's working. That's why when we pray, we understand it's God who's at work. It's God who's willing. It's God who's going to do it. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. And so when we in our own fleshly mind are wanting things and we're praying, as James says, we pray because we just want to get what we want to consume it upon our own lust. And all our selfish praying, God graciously just ignores But those things that are of the Spirit of God, when we're praying in His will, and we don't have to be worried about going, oh, no, I don't know if it's in God's will. I hope it doesn't strike me dead. We don't have to worry about that either. When we're not in His will, He just ignores it. But when we pray according to His will, then we can know we have the very thing we ask of Him. And that's why it's so wonderful as we're in the Word, meditating on the Word, and, and there as we see clearly the nature and the mind of God and the Holy Spirit stirs us up. You know that rumbling that stirring, that groaning, that weeping, that moving of God's Spirit within your life where you're just, oh, Lord. And there you pray according to the perfect will of God. All of heaven stands still. 
all things take note as God hears and answers that prayer that's been offered in the perfect will of God. Now, we learn over in 1 Corinthians, turn to the right just a couple of pages. Starting up in verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it's written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is for you, folks. This is your promise right here. In verse 10, But God has revealed them to us. How? Through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now listen to verse 11. For what man knows the things of the man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know. Do you understand that? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So all of the things that are freely given to us by God, even the things that eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor is entered in the heart of man, all these things that God's prepared, that he's given to us, revealed us to his spirit, that, that they could become our possessions, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In the Greek, it's just spiritual, spiritual spiritual thought, spiritual words, spiritual activity with spiritual insight, understanding, wisdom, however you want to add it, but spiritual to spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. There is a relationship, an ongoing relationship with God that is in the spiritual realm that bypasses the mind. The mind is not human words talked by human tongues, but it's God's Spirit speaking directly to your spirit. And there, as you groan and you interceding in that groaning according to that perfect will of God, God is able to give unto you those, three, those things that he freely wills. Now, m some of them will come to our understanding. But many of the things we just would never understand. Our minds just wouldn't figure it out. We wouldn't, we just couldn't put it together. We just, in a million years, can't understand how this dot connects to that dot and how it makes a picture. And God would show you all the dots of decisions he's made, of things he's going to do in your life. And then at the end, you stand back and see the picture, and you can't see how the dots connect, nor can you understand the picture. We're in finite minds. Now, someday, when we're in our new bodies, and we're totally no longer in this flesh, but in the spirit, and we see things 100% from the mind of Christ in our spiritual 
man with a complete 100% spiritual insight, at that point, it would completely make sense. But in the immediate, it's just unnecessary hardship. It's like my kids who basically say, I don't understand this, and they're saying, do my homework for me. And I'll say, what, do you, what don't you understand? Just all of it. Well, I, I don't know what you mean by that. And I'll make them explain to me what they don't understand, and then I'll show them a little tiny bit and make them go and struggle with it. Now, they don't understand what I'm doing. But I know that they've got to struggle. They've got to figure it out on their own. They've got to learn the difficulty of just mastering it and thinking through it, getting those ideas and concepts in their head. And then once they have it in their head, then they'll be able to go on the test day and they'll be able to do well. But if I just do their homework and take all pressure off them in the immediate, which is what they want and which would be easier for me, <laughs> so I don't have to listen to them moan and complain, but yet I know on the test day they're going to be dummies. And I know if they don't understand this that they won't be able to go on to the next grade because then the new stuff is built on the old stuff. And in the same way, God is looking at from an eternal perspective, there's things that he has to do. And even it says in Hebrews that Christ learned obedience through the things he suffered. And I don't understand that. But if the Lord were to explain to me, I still probably wouldn't understand it. And so we just have this trust that God is, first of all, I have the hope that heaven's going to come. It's not going to really matter anymore from the earthly things that took place here, except those rewards I have and the character that was built. But secondly, I understand that right now God is here to comfort me, to help me. As it says in Isaiah, he'll take us through the floodwaters, he'll take us through the fires. And there, as I'm in the midst of it, I don't understand it. As James says, we pray that God would give us wisdom, not doubting. God will give us wisdom in those times of trials. Maybe not the whys it's happening, but just the insight of how to view it, how to look at it. And as I just view it and look at it the way God's looking at it, then I can move on forward, going, okay, like Paul. Well, you want a thorn in my flesh? You want this messenger of Satan buffeting me? Fine. Uh, you're going to perfect strength in my life through weakness and you say your grace is going to be there even though I don't feel like there's any grace to sustain me right this minute I'll just trust it'll be there and I'll, that's great I rejoice in that then he didn't have a problem with it anymore but it was that spiritual groaning that spiritual cry that spiritual I don't understand what's going on then the Lord began to speak to him by the spirit Psalms. Look over there at King David. I love the way he so articulates these same exact thoughts. In Psalms 38. Psalms 38. There in verse 8 and 9. Psalms 38, verse 8 and 9. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sign is not hidden from you. Or is groaning or sign is not hidden from you. And so, for us, 
we hear groaning, it can be a little annoying, but for God, like a mother with her little child who can't put it into words, just sort of, uh, uh, you know, a little baby that can't talk yet, uh, uh, you know, and are you thirsty? Uh, 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 you know, in the same way, our souls, all it can do sometimes is just grunt. And that sign, the Lord hears and makes sense of it like a mother makes sense of the cries of a child that can't put it into words. And they're also in Psalm 77, verse 4. Seventy-seven, verse four. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Maybe you're in that situation tonight where you're just so overwhelmed with the situation, you don't even know how to pray. Well, all you have to do is cry out to God that his Holy Spirit would help give you the intercession, the perfect prayers according to the will of God. And maybe it'll be words that you can formulate. Maybe it will just be a groaning in your heart. But I know as we wait on the Lord that he will be that ever wonderful help in our time of trouble. And then finally tonight, he says in verse 27, because he makes intercessions for the saints. Who does he make intercessions for? The saints. Jesus said in John 17, he said, I don't pray for those who are in the world, but I pray for these who are mine, who you brought out of the world. God is for you, and he's going to help you because you are his holy ones. You're his child, and he's going to help you be in that perfect will of God. I'm so thankful that I don't have to worry about being in the perfect will of God as long as I'm surrendered before the Lord. If I'm saying, God, I want your will, just like Jesus there in the garden, he was so overwhelmed with this, the prospect of being tortured the next day. He just, oh, let this cup pass from me. The immediate comfort, the immediate relief. Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way men can be saved and taken to heaven except through my sacrifice on that cross, let plan B kick, kick into effect right now. You know, no plan B. And there we saw as the angels came down and they ministered to him as the blood vessels began to break in his body, mixing with the sweat. Maybe you're close to that. Your financial problems, your relational problems, your health problems, your work problems are just so overburdening you. Like David, you, you can't speak. Well, I'm so grateful we don't have to. We can just go before the Lord and just sort of groan and say, God, here I am. Interesting, and many make this connection, I don't know if I would, but over in 1 Corinthians where they talk about the gift of tongues. He makes mention, for he who speaks in a tongue in 1 Corinthians 14, does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit... He speaks mysteries. Now, the difference is in Romans, it's not talking about words. It's just talking about groanings. Here it's talking about actual words. But the concept is the same. Man is not profited. Our human mind is not a part of it. He goes on to say there in verse 12, 
Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. In verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. He's saying it's the spirit that's praying. But my understanding is unfruitful. My mind, my it's not something I'm working through my brain. It's right from spirit to spirit. What is the result then? I pray with the spirit and I also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise,